0: welcome everyone to another exciting episode. And this is an episode that you're going to want to pay a lot of attention to. (laughs) Amy Cole here is from a leading and award-winning go-to-market and RevOps company. Basically takes charge of your entire go-to-market strategy, creates the lead gen, creates the meetings, that creates the sales. And that's what we want to talk about is in this kind of an economy, especially, how do we get more conversions? How do we get more sales? And we're going to talk about the power of 1%. That if you go to the top of the funnel and if you can increase something like your click through rate by 1%, how does that travel throughout the entire funnel and actually get you a new customer every single month? Just by doing things a little bit differently, a little bit more efficiently, that you can scale. So, Amy, I don't know if you want to add to kind of that intro there on the power of one percent, but I'll turn it over to you to kind of introduce what yeah. that concept is a little bit.
1: Yes, well, I appreciate it. It makes this this topic is hitting home a ton for us and our customers every day because as folks are trying to stay leaner longer right now with all of the shifts and demands that are the economy is putting on fundraising and and runways. It's a big deal to focus on like the little little drivers that people can do with their current resources and their current headcount to make a big revenue impact. Um, so again I I think I shared this last time we were on a podcast it's a series of base hits. So if every base hit had a discipline or a goal around getting one person better proportionate to whatever the driver is what what kind of impact can that really have? And we do this every day Um, It's actually the driver of our pivots and our strategy, but people need to think about this in a more tangible way. And I'm hoping that today we can share some of those, the tricks that we use for our clients every day. So thank you for having me and having me back again.
0: Maybe if you could, just so Mm -hmm. we have kind of a good understanding of the trickle effect of the 1%, you and I were just Mm -hmm. talking right before we pushed the record button. If you could kind of take us from the, you know, the top of the funnel, the click-through rate, and how you think about it with your clients, yeah. and how we get to more customers on a monthly basis.
1: Yeah, a lot of times when we're talking to our founder CEOs or even like our VPs of sales, we're always talking about the the small improvements to the win rates or the pipeline conversions. And and I, while I appreciate that at that base hits discipline. If we actually back up to the full cycle and we focus first more on the top of how we're actually getting the initial interest, that's where a lot of the volume can kind of come into play with a stricter discipline even higher in the funnel. So an example of this that I shared with Steve earlier was if we were able to improve our click rate by one percent, how many more visits can we get to that book a demo or contact us form on our on our website, knowing that thirty percent of the visitors complete that form, and then 10% of those will come comf- go forward into the pipeline as a qualified meeting. That's huge. So that little change in how we're messaging or structuring our emails or our ads on social or any sort of digital ad that increases more of those visits to that one key page, how much more impact will we feel for our sales team down funnel? And, and again, It starts with the valuable content that you're offering, how we're articulating it and making sure you're testing it at 20, 20 different ways early. So by the time you have budget and confidence, you're really pouring your money or your focus into the right strategies. So again, like the, just to to recap, we're really good at talking about qualification to all sponsored demo to pricing agreement, and then to our win or loss but even higher than that is where the continuity really feeds sales and marketing together. Um, and and you and I talked about this before, but the, the discipline and focus with, um, having the discipline and focus on conversion rates early makes a game-changing difference to confidence you're going the right direction. So early, you want to do all your experiments and you want to start slow so you can go ha- hard and heavy later. Um, and again, you do this all, with no extra resources or headcount, which is what ultimately a lot of people are needing right now.
0: So there's there's so much to unpack there. Yeah. One of the examples that we went through was let's say that you got a 1%, the power of 1% mm-hmm. increase on the click through rate, right? Yeah. from your email campaigns, from your ad campaigns, it's your, your demand gen. Right? Mm-hmm. And let's say for round numbers, that equals 100 more MQLs. Mm -hmm. And out of those 100 MQLs, you were able to convert 10% of those into meetings. Right, right. Very doable numbers based on your experience. And if you even can convert one in 10 of those new meetings, those demos of interested people, right, in your personas, then you just increased one new customer every single.
1: Correct. Correct. Sure. That's, I mean, that's where you have that controlled waterfall. Now you can do that backwards math. But yeah, that's the biggest game changer for us is how many people are you feeding at the top? So as your demand gen program have 10,000 people active right now, a marketable database is typically an nurtured database is right around 10,000. And if you want to get 1% of those folks to engage each month, you're going to have about 100 MQLs. And again, we have some clients that'll book one in four, one in five of them into meetings. And those are folks that are, you know, I would say like they're they're targeting like SaaS, B2B, marketing and sales leaders. Like those are high converters. They're learners by trade. But even our clients that are targeting um, IT and cyber, those folks are still engaging with content too, but they're at a lower conversion rate to meeting. So let's say 10% of that bucket. And then you do. You, so you have 10 meetings. 75, 50 to 75% of those are qualified. So let's just say five. And then you have another conversion rate between there with your active pipeline. And that's still going to give you, let's say one and a half customers on a 33% win rate. Like that's doable. Those are normal, very standard, typical numbers in the pipeline. And that's where really the hard, hard, hard work is. But at the top, just being a little bit more sophisticated, you really give them significantly more at-bats. Not to play on baseball so much, but the base hits, the at-bats, it's all, it's all, it's all jointed together. And so whether you're listening to this podcast and you're a marketing leader or a sales leader or a closer um, or a BDR, everybody has a base hit they're responsible for. It just may not be as, um, as glamorous as like a a closed one deal. It might just be a click-through rate. It might be a conversion from mql to meeting or for a bdr how many meeting how many dials are you making and how many connects can you get could you dial differently at a different time could you dial the coast one coast at this time the other at this time could you call engagers only could there's a whole bunch of different conversion rates throughout the whole um, throughout the whole process but i think it's very important for teams to sit down and say what is the driving forces to help me move the needle North. And I said this, I shared this earlier, but the needle's always moving. It doesn't just wait till the end of the sales period to go, up, it fell backwards or we're moving the needle forward. It's every day. And it might be just ping ponging back and forth like this. But that's why everybody who shows up every day with that focus, so just doing 1% better, it's going to inch north all the time. And again, you have to have the team alignment and structure, and you have to sit down, war room it out, say, okay, DDR, what is what are the things you can control that gives us 1% more or 1% better? And they'll have different drivers and everyone else at the table. But by the time you whiteboard it all out, every driver matters as much as the last and the next. And that's really where I, that's why I'm so obsessed with sales and marketing, because it's such a team sport. And um, so a little sign. if you know anything about me, I love soccer. I coach all my kids playing soccer and everybody has a role to play on the team. I look at my team the same way as I've grown and scaled my company. We can't all be center midfielders. We only need one goalie. Like we all have to play our own position. And when we do, we're scoring goals. Same thing with our sales and marketing. So
0: clearly understand the power of the 1%, how it impacts the entire funnel. And we're going to include a link to the show notes here to a Google document. Mm -hmm. so that you can get in and you can start working with those numbers and change them and see how it impacts the entire funnel all the way through that sales conversion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's what happens. Let's talk a little bit now about how do we create that 1% change?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Because that's probably what everybody's thinking is, okay, I clearly see the math and and, and the impact there. But Mm -hmm. we talked just a little bit earlier about one of the the favorite drivers. And in our previous podcast, um, we talked about the power of content and the higher Mm -hmm. quality the content, the better the ROI at every stage of that funnel. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Maybe talk a little bit about, you know, content and click-through rates and how that impacts everything we've been talking about here.
1: Okay. So... A couple of practices that have gone a long way for our team, and and luckily it's, and we're in a very uh, modern multi-asset. It's easy to make a quick loom video or a, you know, thank, thankfully, because that are, those are some of the biggest key drivers that we've experienced with our own clients. So at the top of the funnel, you obviously are testing different strategies, different targets, different ads, different content CTAs. It's not always a requested demo. It should oftentimes not. I I like our cold, cold marketing just typically be about something. um, I think we talked about this before where we're serving them and they're able to consume content that supports a pain they have because we know who they are. And that's how you dialed in your targeting. So content there of course matters, but I think something that we often overlook is how content nurtures throughout the pipeline too. So for example, if your team has um, an extremely, If they have a drop in no-show rates, especially in the summertime, this is very challenging right now for a top of mind for a lot of clients. So your BDR team or my team were to book a meeting and it's with the founder or the or founder or a member of the sales team. How impactful would it be to receive a video of the person you're about to meet in the next, you know, might be seven days from now, but to keep it really relevant? So rather than just, hey, thanks so much. I've sent the invite. We'll talk to you in next Thursday. Instead, it's, hey, thanks so much. I sent over the invite. And in the meantime, here's, here's a quick video of, of Scott, who's going to be taking care of you next week. He has a really cool background. He shares about this in his video. Look forward to meeting. Then they're watching Scott. They're learning more about him, why he is an expert in this in this space, and why it is, in fact, a meeting they should attend. So there's little, like, that's a really cool way. And it's custom content. You ask each rep to make one of them. It's no big deal. No big deal at all. Um, Then inside of your loom video, you see how many people view it. And then you bump it up against how many people attend. Did it help? Did it move the needle at all? Or did it stay the same? Neutral is okay, but your conversations might be better. Your qualification might be better later. So I, that's just one example at the top of the sales funnel. And then more in the bottom of the funnel, I really love content that helps them circulate our value internally. We call it consensus building information. So imagine getting off a demo with me and I say, Hey, Steve, I meet with people like you all the time. You're going to go to your boss and your boss's boss and say, Hey, I think we need to discover or look into this more. I think this could be a great fit for us. But here's an internal document, internal discussions document that I think you would help guide your conversation because there's concerns you guys should discuss that I want to come up because I also want to help you overcome those or show you how we, how we'll aid you in our relationship as our customer. So I think being very forward and nurturing the, the conversation and guiding the sales process Really establishes you as obviously a resource and content will certainly help you. Then, then see if you have an uh, you have a PDF or a link or some sort of discussion guide to share amongst your, your the rest of the buying team. And it's not just on you anymore. And I'm just not hounding you anymore about following up and next steps. So that content is important. Um, when you're in the late stages of closing a deal and onboarding questions start coming up and people are worried about scheduling and this person's out, so let's just push this close date back till September. Instead, what about an onboarding roadmap to say, hey, for the first 20 days, it's all us. You're gonna give us these assets. We're gonna do all this lift. And then we'll get together right around August 15th to do the initial kickoff. And we'll just do it with one team. Well, now our deal doesn't have to push 60 days because that person that's going on vacation isn't a make or break to it being successful. So really thinking about content so much more outside of just what your pretty ad looks like on LinkedIn or or Facebook and thinking about how the continuity assists the sales team throughout the whole process is is so key. Um, And I don't want to act like I know it all. I I do think our clients kind of are on their own journey when they're learning they need content and that's okay. Um, you should. I don't think you should make content until you really have established the need for it, because a lot of us are strapped and time consumed, of course. But it makes a big difference when you start to identify trends thanks to our conversion rates. And then you're focused on just fixing one base hit at a time. And then that change makes it really measurable to see if it worked or not, or if you're still neutral. So I think I hope that I hope those are some good examples of what you had in mind.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, and there's the there's the content at the top. Let's just say that, you know, the ads going out to X number of people, the emails going out to X number of people. Yeah. You could think about, okay, well, impacting the numbers game, right? If I just increase my email list, right, or I increase right. the amount of money I'm spending on my ad. But if you're not thinking about the quality of the content, that attracts yeah. that click through rate is only based on the quality of that content. I know. So you're mm-hmm. kind of, we talked about this. If you just add numbers, right. You're, yeah. you're you potentially are scaling the inefficiencies versus saying it would be even better just to stick with what I have, but focus on higher quality content uh, content that attracts.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it makes it. A- It can be very reckless, and honestly, there's there's so many professionals out there um, that are, and they look at it as strictly a numbers game. If I push out this, I'm bound to get at least this. At best, all I need is one. You know, I always used to hate one percent of the market would buy what we have. We'll be set. Like that's 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 not the right kind of mindset. The mindset strictly needs to stay on. If I were if I were to fill the funnel or fill the, you know, I call it fuel here at AKOps. If if I were to expand my target audience to 3x, can will my conversion hold true? And that's where that's where your content has to be on point. And it needs this, and again, going back to the whole mindset of serving first before you're selling, especially at the top, it's so, so important to, to test different variables of content. Like I said before, like a marketing and sales point of um, a target audience versus an IT focused or, um, or somebody more in like a cyber industry, they're, they're looking for different types of resources. So just because you, you did it once at one company, you don't just like rinse, repeat that same strategy. You're starting from scratch with the same roadmap, but your, your variables are always going to be different in what you're saying in your content. Um, to your point too, about click-through rates, The click-through rate at the top is a goal indicator of whether or not your content's hitting. But if your content is not hitting, you should probably look at targeting too, before you just throw out your content. Like if you dialed in your list wrong, or um, maybe you're too broad and you're not really getting any learnings when you're, you know, you need to narrow it in a little bit. Those are the things I would pivot first before scrapping any content, especially if it's worked well in demand gen. I do... I do really appreciate a demand gen strategy or email marketing because it really allows you to control um, a quick sample of who you know needs what we serve, what we do. And we test our messaging there in a kind of like a controlled pond. It's not as expensive, really quick, really quick results in terms of email metrics. Then you assume that. Holds true. And then you can kind of see based on my list, here were my high engagers. And this is the profile they sit into. Now I'm going to apply this to paid and bring that over to my ads. And now I'm spending money or arguably more money or more expensive channel on something I already know to be true. And I have higher confidence in this. Yeah, testing so I think that sense. yeah, and I just think starting in demand, Jen, and then flipping over to paid is is something that a lot of people that we work with are significantly more comfortable with than just rolling out a whole new channel and strategy without tested content.
0: And if you could remind us, it was a big point that we we covered in our other podcast episode, but when we we talk about there is content all throughout the funnel, but when you're your demand gen campaigns are reaching out to more of the masses of your perf- your personas. Mm-hmm. It's not about what I call an inside out sales strategy or product marketing. It's value added, it's mm-hmm. helping, it's expanding mm-hmm. their knowledge, their ability to do their jobs, make their decisions. Yeah. So yeah. just remind us a little bit about, if yeah. you, have, you have specific themes even that you, that you run into, yeah content and why that's important at the beginning?
1: Yeah. So the themes are kind of a funnel in of themselves. So the intro, like five, the five, I guess the, the first piece typically needs to be the ultimate guide to better prospecting. Let's just use that as an example. So I think it's really important to stay high level initially as a nice intro. Like if, if companies or three or more contacts from the same company are engaging with that piece of content, that's a very high indicator that that's probably the pain point that they in fact have and it informs my sales teams quite well to follow up and say like, Hey, do you have any questions on that? Or here, can I just send you a really cool like worksheet that'll help you guys collaborate internally to do better prospecting just for this, for that theme. I just pulled it out of air. So hopefully this works. Um, and then the second one would be four tips to do it better yourself. That's the piece that then the rep could share, or it would be the next one they'd receive inside of the automation. So four tips to do prospecting better on your own, three ways to evaluate if now's the time to change or partner with somebody. And then I also like to get into like an urgency piece, like what's the cost of not doing this for another year? That's, that's like the pocketbook status quo objection. Like, sure, you're going to grow your, um, your MSP service just fine. If you just keep stayed apart, what you've always been doing. But the gap's going to continue to separate over time. And these are this is what your other co- competitors are doing. And you're going to soon find yourself kind of pushed out of the market because you're falling behind, something like that. And then the fi- final piece, I, again, similar to the internal discussion guide and being super transparent, I like offering a buyer's guide in markets. So like if you're truly the leader and you can serve your clients better, you're a better fit for them, share a buyer's guide. If you're going to Gartner, they're already seeing five or six other people in the quadrant alongside you. Go ahead and summarize those. Say what you're different about them. Offer the playbooks that you guys share between. Don't just wait for them to bring it up on a call because what they're thinking, only like five to 10% of it actually comes out when it's into an objection or uh, closing conversation for the rep. So be transparent the whole time, share that. And if we market that way, It does presume this or it allows them to assume that we're going to be very transparent and we know that they exist and they know that they do good business and that they have great customers. But here's how we're a little different and we may be a better fit for you. And if we're not, we'll find out in our conversation. That's okay. So I think if we all get back to selling a little bit more about just finding the right fit for them and for us. We would, sales would be, a, sales would continue to be more consultative. It is getting significantly better than it was in the past, but that's for sure um, a fast forward button to a more consultative sale. So, again, that content initially that demand gen's gen is creating and people are nurtured with is one thing, but arming, arming your sales reps to share that content and at the right time is really cool too. Um, in fact, we have Sarah Klaus, the RCSO here at um, AK Apps. She's been with a client of ours for a very long time. In fact, like their entire pipeline was really built up as her little baby. And she she has a great affinity for this founder. And he he loves her too. Um, but she actually built out a really cool step-by-step: like, if you hear this, this is what we'll nurture with. If they share this pain point, this is what we'll follow up with. Very customized pipeline nurtures based on what we're the information we're collecting in the sales process. So little shout out to her because that was not my idea. Um, It was hers and it it works and aids their conversion rates quite well.
0: Well, and what I love about all of that content that you're sharing there is it positions the company as an industry expert.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's so important when you get down to the bottom of the funnel in the conversions is they always want to be doing business with a partner, a partner that expands, that adds value, that helps them do their job better and get more sales on their end. Very, very valuable.
1: I think gone are the days that people do business with the big guys because they get it. They know it. They're in the industry. They might be the lead industry leaders by size or by revenue and all these like vanity side, you know, it's kind of honestly like bullshit vanity metrics for growth. But you can be small and be a leader in your industry if you're positioning yourself that way. And I I think, I think the the buyer, especially in SaaS, isn't always looking for the biggest name on the books anymore. I think they know that a lot of these guys spin off of those leaders and they fix the same problem in a little bit better, more efficient way because they've spent their careers listening to their customers and they they intimately know the environment that they're serving. So I really do believe content's the best way to help build that reputation in in a non um, not, in not being totally self-serving. It's it's really a different, a different tone than what the big guys do. And obviously I serve small businesses and startups, but a lot of these founders um I want not they, these big guys wouldn't hold the flame to somehow sh- how sharp some of these guys are yeah. and their tech's more agile, more modernized. It's quicker to implement. Like there's a thousand reasons people are shifting to doing the startup ecosystem instead of like the big, big guys anymore. So, um, building content like that buyer's guide will help illustrate their position in the market and, and keep that, keep that stronghold on their reputation for sure.
0: So, if we wanted to wrap up this discussion okay. and we wanted to kind of
1: it's hard to it, do. <laughs>
0: yes. Sorry. With you know, here's the summary of what we want you to take away from top of the funnel, one yeah. percent, the power, how it trickles down, how to use content to feed that one percent change because. Mm-hmm. There's been many articles that have been coming out lately in these times where marketing budgets are, are constricting, right. you've got to do more with less. Yeah, and Content is the fuel that you were talking about. So if you could kind of give us a, a rapid yeah. takeaway, that would be fantastic.
1: Sure. So obviously in the times that we're in, and it's not the last, it's not the first or it will be the last time we'll be in a position like this. Unfortunately, it's super, super important to take a look at what those base hits look like for your company today. What is those, what are those conversion rates as the batons pass downstream? And then each each team, either on their own or, or a whole, depending on how large your organization is, needs to sit down and say, like, what drivers support this one conversion rate. And I think we'd be very surprised. I think I know our teams will, your team will be very surprised when they sit down and think about how many things they're doing. And they don't really know what to contribute the conversion rates to. So it'll really help skinny down what, what people are responsible for and what they're using most of their day with. And if it's not a revenue driving activity, it has to drop to the bottom. And then after you know what two or three tasks need to be each, per, each person's um, driving activities of their day or like the bulk of their day then you'll be able to identify, okay, today, did I close that gap at all? Or am am I, are we accelerating the right way or the wrong way? And then helps us really figure out what to do less of and what to double down on. So my revenue, the focus of being 1% better in any capacity of the funnel that you're responsible for has direct impact on revenue. I see it every day across 34 clients right now. We see the value of having that discipline. We see 1% drop and how it affects a quarter. We see it accelerate and how it ge- how it changes the game for the pipeline. So, and I'll tell you, the, the clients of ours that have the most collaborative mindsets on content and assets and let's try this, let's try that. Those are the ones that are figuring out fastest. So, I, we live and die in seven-day sprints, and I think every young company, especially right now, should operate that way with only focusing on the base hit they're responsible for. So, again, the conversion rate dictates the health, not the volume. And like dialing it down so people can stay lean without missing a ton of their goals, especially in the next, you know, the, the, the back half of this year, is going to be essential to those that really thrive and those, those that unfortunately don't. So I'm happy to help if anybody has any questions on how we do that. I'll take a call with anybody just to help. There's no strings attached, but that worksheet will be really, really um, a strong resource just to put that out to each team and see what their, um, what their drivers are and what their 1% would look like.
0: So we'll make sure, Amy, we'll get your worksheet up that people can link to. We'll put a link to you on LinkedIn. Is that one of the best yeah, ways to get Yeah, that's fine.
1: That's perfect.
0: Well, thank you again for coming on and sharing just a wealth of knowledge and a way of thinking that that is a plan, right? That you've Mm -hmm. proven time and time again, inside and outside of economic conditions, but just the little things along the way that you can do to improve 1% from the very, very top down to the bottom. Um,
1: You're welcome. Thanks for having me.